Welcome to the Mosaic Church Sermon Podcast. Mosaic Church seeks to engage the modern age with the historic Christian faith. If you don't have a home church, please don't use this podcast as a substitute for being a member of a local community of faith. Whether you call Mosaic your home or not, we hope that you find this sermon convicting and encouraging in your walk with Jesus. Here's our executive pastor, Pastor Brandon McPherson, with this week's sermon. Our text today, we're actually going to be in two different places. We don't normally do this. Um, Normally, we go verse by verse. We've been going through the book of Mark. Um, But for this Advent series, it's going to be a little bit more of uh, sort of standoff, standalone, uh, not video, standalone uh, sermons. And so with that, it's going to be more topical. So we might find ourselves a little bit more in throughout the scripture, which is in fact what's going to happen today. We will literally be in Genesis all the way to Revelation. I'm not going to preach on all 66 books, but we'll, we'll, we might come close. So um, the text, if, if uh, Dale wants to throw that up there, if you want to find that as I'm kind of going through this intro, that way when I ask you to stand, you'll be able to easily flip, but the, the text will be on the screen as well. So I want us, um, as we are encountering this Advent series, I think it's good to start off this season with the idea of hope the perspective of hope and what exactly our hope is in. There is, uh, at this time, some temptations, and I would call them those temptations distractions, distractions to get us away from what the ultimate hope is and what the reason uh, for this time of the year should be. And so we are, as people, easily distracted. And we at times even purposefully distract ourselves. I don't know about you, but I've had to delete certain apps from my phone, not because then them in and of themselves are bad, but they just take up too much of my time. I, it's so easy just to scroll from one funny video to the next, the next thing you know, like, you know, the kids have it eaten, you know, <laughs> you're still in your pajamas, you know, and, and I've wasted half my morning. Um, I would say I'm kidding, but that has, has happened once. Um, but we are... In a, in, a, in a time period now where it is easy to be distracted. It's easy to grow numb. We go from one holiday season to the next. Like when you walk into the stores, as soon as Christmas stuff goes down, Valentine's Day stuff goes up. I mean, it isn't, it's a perfect transition. They just, they're seamless. They're, they're flawless and they're what you need to begin to shop for next. We live in this time where it's constant events, constant Enjoyment is the expectation. And so Christmas is no different. We have this time, and, and as we're looking over this series, the word Advent, for those who may not know, it simply means the arrival of an important person. And this would be the important person, of course, is Jesus. And so we are expecting the arrival of Jesus. And as I was thinking on the word expecting, what are some things that maybe you're expecting Maybe you're expecting in your life. Maybe you're expecting uh, something you know, great in your job or in the circumstance that you're in. I know for the, this Christmas time of the year, there are certain things that I'm expecting. I'm expecting to go look at Christmas lights with my family, something that we enjoy. And, and during that route, I expect to stop by Krispy Kreme and spend some time in there you know, when the light's on and, and go in there and enjoy ourselves. We expect... Um, to watch Christmas movies and do all of these things. Every year, Kelsey, my wife, she gets me a, a nutcracker every year for Christmas. That is what I expect. I, I tell her, look, it doesn't matter, you know, if you can't get me anything else, that is what I want. And so 
um, whether it's a $10 nutcracker from Target or a $60 nutcracker from Williamsburg. Like, get me whatever. I don't care. Um, and let it represent the year that we've had. So some nutcrackers are a little bit falling apart <laughs> uh, because those have just been the years that they represent. And so I date them and I put them throughout my home. And it's special to me. But these are things that I'm expecting. And maybe you have traditions, or I hope you have traditions, things that you like to do with your family that you're expecting to do and that are good things, and you should do. Expecting can be synonymous with hope, though, because we hope for certain things. We hope that, you know, we have a, a Christmas dinner with our family and that it's not controversial. Hopefully you, you survive Thanksgiving without, you know, someone bringing up something, right? Uh, you know, we know the trigger words with certain family members. And sometimes we like to, to poke at those things if you're like me. And other times we like to avoid them altogether if you're like my wife. Uh, but we like to try to sometimes maybe stir things up, but we hope that those things don't happen. But expectations are part of life. When, before you were married, you had expectations for your spouse. You still have expectations for your spouse. You have expectations for your children, for work. You had expectations for this morning before you, you came to the church, before you came here. Maybe it went as you had expected. I can say for myself, this morning has not gone as expected. And I see some of you shaking your heads in agreement, like it didn't go as expected. I'm not gonna call anyone out or name any names, but Ashley locked her keys in the vehicle running outdoor, outside, and it was just running. Yeah, locked out there. She wasn't expecting that, uh, but that is happened. That has happened. It did happen. And um, I made sure to walk by and let her know the vehicle was running at times. But um, it is when our expectations are not met, disappointment ensues. And it doesn't just go in the natural sense. Is we also speak to these things as far as the spiritual things. We expect God to do certain things. We pray with a heart of expectation, saying, Lord, save this person, or heal me, or heal this person, or help my situation. But what happens when we don't get all that we expected? What happens when we do get something, but it wasn't the way that we were expecting it to happen? Our expectations can distract us at times when we place a higher importance on something than maybe we should. And Christmas is filled with hope, and it's filled with happiness for many, but for others, it can be a bit of a letdown. For others, it, this might be the first Christmas that you, you're experiencing without someone that you truly loved experiencing Christmas with be very difficult. Or it can be just a time that reminds you of maybe some darkness from the past. And so as we go into this season, we don't want to become blind to just thinking that everyone is experiencing this time of the year the same way. We all have different expectations of what it should be and what it could be. So you've uh, had some time to look over the text. If you would stand with me, we're going to go over those uh, today. We stand to honor God's word. Uh, his infallible word, the things that I say, I'll mess up at times. Uh, I might say something that I wish I hadn't, but God's word is forever true and holds that weight that we should stand in, in reverence. So we're going to go first to Malachi chapter 4, verse 1. And it says this, For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. 
But for you who fear my name, the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked. For they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. And on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Now let's skip over to, to, Matt, or I'm sorry, to Hebrews chapter 10 really quick. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers... Since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have had a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This is God's word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray blessings over this time. Lord, I pray that you would allow your people not just to be hearers, but doers of your word. Lord, if there's even one in this room that doesn't know you, the true hope, Lord, I pray that today would be, as your word states, the day of salvation. Lord, we pray these things in expectation, knowing that you fulfill all that you promise. You finish all that you begin. And we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Malachi, of course, is the last book of the Old Testament, and God gives this promise to his people that there is going to be a time where the evildoers will end, where that's going to, that's going to stop, that's going to cease, that there are going to be those that have done horrible things, and they're going to be set ablaze, that this is God speaking, and he says that you're going to go like calves running out of a stall, just leaping with joy that he's going to tread down the wicked, that, that, that you're going to be walking over them with the soles of your feet, that this is how he will act, is what God says. And then we see our scriptures, and it's easy to go from Malachi to Matthew very quickly and see Jesus is born, and, and this is wonderful, and you know the gospels are filled with his birth and his life and his uh, crucifixion and resurrection, and it's a wonderful thing. But what we may often overlook is that it was just 400 years of nothing, silence, 400 years of people hanging on to what was said to Malachi, thinking like any day this is going to happen. I mean, 400 years, this, America's not even 400 years old. We, we, we've, uh, this is, time has passed. The people more than likely, many have forgotten. I mean, they've had to say to their, their children and their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, pass this on that there will be a day where the evil will stop. And then we see in the Gospels, and this is what we're going to cover for the next four weeks, the incarnation of Christ comes into view. And we're not going to spend a ton of time on that today. I know that we'll get to it in weeks to come. But without the incarnation of Christ, salvation is lost. We all have needs and we all have wants and the expectation, the expectation is sort of the middle ground between what we, what we think we need and what we think we want, and then the, the route to actually get there. So we're kind of in this, this mode right now of, of believing that Jesus is going to return, as his word says. We're in what theologians call the already but not yet. Where we're sitting here knowing that God's word says he's coming back, but we, we haven't seen it yet. And so we're on this path of expecting, but not yet seeing it. This path is considered 
our hope. It's the bridge between desire and fulfillment. I remember when uh, my wife was pregnant, you're waiting, you know, month after month. And, and we were on an app just looking at, you know, well, the baby's this size now and, this, you know, and, and getting bigger. And, and we're, we're watching this and we're excited and we're expecting. You know, it's, it's a surreal feeling to see your child for the first time and be like, that's what you look like. Right? That's what you, that, that this is, this is who you are now. And now seeing my kids run around and sing and make jokes and, and make me laugh and, and do these things. It's beautiful because you, you're seeing this thing that you weren't even expecting to be this good or this bad, <laughs> right? You weren't expecting to be this torn over not sleeping at times, how difficult parenting is at times, but how joyful it is most of the time. And so God gives us these things that, that we expect but don't even have a clear understanding. I mean, we expect, we, we vaguely know what heaven is going to be like. We vaguely know. But, but we know that it's going to be beyond our expectations. That's the beauty of God is that when, when we come in contact with him, it's always better than what we were expecting. If ever you've done like a project around the house, I was talking to Dale about it uh, the other day. He's working on renovating his basement and we, we were discussing his expectations and, and knowing that it always takes longer and is more expensive than you expected. Anytime you're doing a project, you're, you know, you, you might write up what it's going to cost you and it, it, you're always short somehow. You know, it, it always becomes more than you were expecting. But with God, it is always better than we thought. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait to, to see the things that, that John reveals to us in some sense and what Paul speaks of. And I can't wait to see certain men and women that, that have passed and been away. It's going to be far better than we expect. But again, there is this bridge between desire and fulfillment. And I think it's during this time that we are most liable to distraction. It's in this time that, that if we, we can easily take our eyes off of the focus and fill ourselves with other things that we can hope in, things that we can have now, things that we can, that we can you know, things that we want at this very time. I love a home-cooked meal, but sometimes it, it just doesn't feel like it's worth the time. So it's just easier to go through a drive-through. And then after I eat it, I'm like, man, like that wasn't, yeah, the, it was convenient, but it wasn't what I needed. It got me, I guess, the nourishment for, the, for, that, for that moment, but it wasn't what I really desired. It wasn't what my body actually needed. And we are so quick to substitute good things for God things. We can substitute things that make us numb in the moment, but make us feel good or make us feel like we've accomplished something quick and easy. And so what is our current state? Well, not to be a downer, but Romans chapter three gives us a pretty explicit picture. Paul writes this, as it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks God. All have turned aside, together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. 
in case you thought you were the exception. That's what Paul says. Not even one. Their throats are an open grave. They use their tongues for deceit. The venom, of, the venom of asps is in their lips, upon their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. And in their paths are ruin and misery and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is our current state. Paul says that if you thought you were good, if you thought that you could handle this on your own, if you thought that, that you were righteous or that you knew someone who was righteous, he reminds us there is no one. We do not seek God. We do not seek God without first having been sought by God himself. This is our current state. And this is us looking back. This is us looking at our current state before Christ. This is, you know, this is who we were before Christ clothed us in his righteousness because he is the one. He is the one who understands. He is the one who seeks. He is the one whose throat is not an open grave, but yet laid in the grave for our sake. I would say most of us would agree that the last two years have been the most unique two years maybe of our lives. Are you, do you agree? Are you there? It's been pretty unique. We've experienced some different things. Life has looked a lot different. Life looks a lot different now than it did in 2019. Everyone, you know, it's ironic because you saw so many places and churches even that, you know, 2020, you know, it's the year of vision, perfect vision, 2020, and then it just collapsed. I mean, we've never been more in a daze and in a haze in all of our life. You had to quickly take that off your church marquee if you put that up. This is going to be the year of perfect vision. Incorrect. <laughs> Couldn't be further from the truth. As you know, I'm a, a, a movie buff. I enjoy watching TV, it's, it's one of my hobbies, just sitting in front of a television, being entertained, uh, like many of you. And, and it's just something I enjoy. And I enjoy uh, sci-fi and, and the, the weirder side of, of things, things that can't actually happen, but happen on television. And a trend I'm noticing in the last year especially is that, for, well, for instance, in the 90s, the most popular movies seem to always go, or in the 80s too, go into the future, Right? We wanted to see what's next, what's beyond, you know, Independence Day, like aliens, there's stuff out there, there you know, all these things. What's the future going to be like? And within the last year, I've noticed a lot of shows and a lot of movies going backward. Have you seen this? I think it's just easier to write scripts, too, when you don't have cell phones in the picture. Because, you know, what's the point in trying to hunt for something if you can just Google search it, right? It's just easier to set the time period in 1988 when things seem simpler but I've noticed our culture has taken a fascination to what has existed in the past. And I've noticed the church doing this as well. We need to get back. We need to, we need to get back to this, back to this. It, you know, it's time to, to go back to the way that things used to be. And then I look into scripture and I see that there is a lot of looking forward Throughout scripture, there's a lot of that. Like, what's next? What is the thing that, look forward. Look to the heavens and wait because the clouds are going to split. Look forward to that day when Jesus returns. And I would say despite our culture and despite all that is around us and all that is being projected to us and injected in our society, 
that if ever there's a time that we should joyfully look forward, now is the time. We cannot be afraid of what lies in the future. Christians should not be afraid of what lies in the future. I don't care who gets elected. I don't care what mandate they throw out. I don't care what governor is where or what decisions are made or what news channel you prefer, any of those things, or what genius, evil genius is going to start uploading conscious streams and whatever it might be. They are not the final word. They are not the final say. We might think that we're headed to darker days and maybe we are, but God has said that he is the same yesterday and today. And then he just so happens to add in and forever meaning tomorrow he's still as good as he is today. And that we can rejoice in it. That is our hope, that that is what can keep us secure. Where you place your hope is imperative to your joy. If you place all of your hope into your spouse, you will be disappointed. You don't, no one has to say amen, but you understand that, that when you place all of your hope into your spouse or you place all of your hope into your children, you know, we love them, but they will disappoint us. And by the way, I'm not just talking about happiness. This isn't about being happy. This isn't a sermon about you walking out of here and everything is just good now and, and God, you know, you can check your banking account and it's going to be tripled. I'm not, I'm not saying any of those things. If you walked in broke, you're more than likely going to walk out broke, right? But, it, but there's something more to take with you than just the prosperity of the natural world because that's what the world says is where your hope is. I made a comment a while back on someone's post and they replied with how many followers I had, which is interesting was I had none, <laughs> but somehow that delegitimized my opinion. That's a strange concept that you aren't valuable because not enough people follow you or you aren't valuable because we, we take this number and we associate it and say, this is your net worth. This is your worth. What you have, your assets, your, your vehicles, your home, your banking account, your credit score, that is what you're worth. And I guess when things are going good, you feel pretty good. I mean, if you have 200,000 followers, maybe that feels good. I don't know. I will never know. If I do, something bad has happened, <laughs> right? If that many people are paying attention, I would say I've made mistakes. So I'm not talking about just happiness that is shallow. I'm talking about joy that cannot be shaken. I'm talking about the kind of joy that the disciples had when they were arrested, beaten, and then set forth, and they walked out joyful, right? When they were said, hey, don't go and preach this gospel, and we're going to let you go. And they were like, excuse me, one thing, we are going, and we are going to preach the gospel. It's that kind of joy, The confidence that comes with knowing what is ultimately true is a good feeling. To know that Jesus is unshakable is a good feeling. Especially in a time where everything is updated so quickly. Everything changes so, so fast. Uh, my phone was due for an upgrade. Uh, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm just saying my, my phone was due for an upgrade like three weeks ago. And all of a sudden, it's just like kind of kicking the curve. You, have you, is it, am I the only one? Like all of a sudden, your phone just goes on a fritz? Uh, I don't know. But there's always a way that you can update. There's always a way that you can get something new. 
What we put our hope in matters. Have you ever failed at anything? Have you, ever, have you ever failed to the point where you felt like you had lost hope or that you were shaken so badly? I've said before, and, and I'll say now, that all of us in this room are only one phone call away from dropping to our knees and sobbing uncontrollably. That's how fragile we are. You could get one phone call right now and it changed your world forever. We have a lot less control than we think. And if we need all of these things, then your hope is going to be affected. So I ask you, where do you place your hope? Let me give you some, some scriptures of encouragement. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 says, For all of the promises of God find their yes in him. That is why it is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory that we have this hope that what God says happens. Do you get that? That, that what God says happens, that that is the good news, that, that we've been let down by others' words, we've been let down by our own words, and those that have made promises to us and haven't fulfilled their end. We elect officials who say, we're going to do these things, and then we don't see these things, and we don't feel like we have a way to hold them accountable. And yet God says, whatever I say will happen. When God promises something, he always fulfills it. I want us to look now in, in Genesis chapter three. I, I often go there because I think it's, Genesis three is, is important. <laughs> it, it shows us what happened, what's wrong, why the fracture, why the brokenness. And you know the story, Kids, you know the story. Adam and Eve, they make a big mistake. Uh, not just Eve's fault. Adam was there, witnessed it, was a poor leader to his wife, allowed it to happen. And so they eat of the fruit that they were told not to. And then in Genesis 15, or sorry, Genesis 3:15, it says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your heel and you shall, uh, I'm sorry, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So what God, is, what God does in one chapter is we see the fall of man and then we see the promise of hope. In one chapter, they've messed up and God has already said, I've already provided a way. And yeah, it's going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush his head. Hope came in so quickly that we couldn't even end the chapter before the fall of mankind that God says, I'm going to save you. And it happens fast. In fact, in Adam and Eve's mind, they're like, this is, this is fantastic. So fantastic that we see in Genesis chapter four, uh, verse one, it says, now Adam and Eve, uh, Adam knew his wife, Eve, and she conceived and bore Cain saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. When you break this down, Eve's and Adam's thought here is that Cain was it. This is it. We've gotten the man. I mean, you can look up what his name means. It means that, that we, it means acquired the spearhead acquired the one who's going to take care of things. When they have this child, they're like, praise God, I have acquired a man and this man is going to crush the serpent's head. This man's going to save us. This is what they had put their hope in. Cain has come to deliver us, to put us back in that state. I mean, Abel comes along and Abel, that name just means emptiness. It just means like, 
vapor. We're not worried about you, Abel. We have Cain, the one who has come. And talk about your hope being crushed. When Cain kills Abel and then is rejected and sent away, this was the ultimate loss of hope. This is where Adam and Eve felt such despair. Maybe you've felt despair in your life. You felt hopeless. You know, I said, you know, us expecting a child was, was a beautiful and wonderful thing, but I've, we've also went through the process of expecting an, a child and losing and how difficult that is. The pain that you go through of having your expectations taken from you. So Adam and Eve had a decision to make. We have a decision to make. Later in the, in the chapter, I think this gets overlooked often. Genesis chapter four, verse 21, it says, or 25, it says, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For he said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. And this is important. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord again. There was something that where they were like, all right, this isn't going to be about us anymore. It's not us trying to produce something that's going to save us. It's us living our lives knowing that God is going to provide and that we are going to worship him in his provision. Despite his provision, we are going to, to worship him. What I'm asking today is not that you lower your expectations. I'm actually challenging you to raise them, to place them on the Lord, to not look at the things around you as your form of hope. As I get ready to close, Dale, if you want to put those on. We have this expectation. Certainly, I'm sure your kids are, are already asking, you know, what, what they want on December 25th. I know my kids have produced a long list. We gave them a, a, we go old school. We give them a catalog and that, that busies them for about, you know, two hours and they circle everything. <laughs> Sparrow circles everything pink and Ezekiel circles everything else. And so they are there and they're expecting all of these things. And I would say, you know, as kids, your expectations for Christmas are usually met. I mean, you're excited, you get everything. And I, but I remember getting a little bit older and sort of understanding more of life. And, and I remember one year in particular, the gifts had been opened, everyone was there, and then it was just over. And I was like, is that it? Is this, we've been waiting, you know, we've done our advent calendar, we've watched all of our movies, we've seen our lights, we've, we've done all of these things. And then it kind of comes and goes and you take down the tree and you're like, I guess that was it. Christmas is often something that we hope is better than actually happens. Especially if we just place them in things. Or surround them around events. 
But I love that our Bible begins with creation, tragedy, promise in just three chapters. And I love how it ends when it says in Revelation 1-7, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. We are distracted people. But we should look to the scripture that says, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope. He is our hope. You are completely, get this, you are completely known by God. And that's good in, in some sense, and that might, it should frighten you in another. That, the, that, that Those things that you would never want anyone on earth to know that you've thought about, or that you've said, or that you've acted upon, or, or, or deals that were, were slimy, or, or whatever you've done that you just has been swept under the rug and no one can find out about it. We serve a God who knows you fully and yet still welcomes you into his presence. Isn't that beautiful? That God knows you fully and welcomes you. Praise God. Your sins and your thoughts are fully known by God, yet he invites you to boldly approach him in his presence. That is the hope of Christmas. Don't let the lights, the trees, the gifts, the cookies distract you from the greatest hope, Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Mosaic Church Sermon Podcast. For more information about Mosaic, including location and service times, or to support us financially, visit our website at mosaicrva.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook at Mosaic Church RVA. Remember, it's not about us, it's all about Jesus.